Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, everybody. What's it's going us. on? We are starting a cult. It's me. It's Grant Bradkey. Uh, you know, I'm always here. Yeah. Yeah, the other yeah. guy. The, Jake the, yeah, Wallen. Guy. It's That's Jake. Me. Jake Dubs, Jake Wallen. It's me. <clears throat> you guys are in for a real treat today because it's, it's just me and Jake. It's just me and that guy, and uh, it hasn't been that way for a long time. Yeah, so we're going to get through this together. Um, where we, uh, you know, this is still Ed Kemper. This is part two. We're going to wrap up his storyline here today. Yeah, we left off on the little zapples. Yeah, we did leave off on the little zapples. And uh, that was his urge to kill. Yeah, so he had his urge to kill. He killed once before, but his real urge to kill were the little zapples. Yeah, it wasn't just him wondering what it felt like to kill Grandma. It was, uh, he he had, a na- he had a name for it now. And, uh, okay, so before we dive in to this topic today, I'm going to do something we've never done here before, and I'm going to give you a definition that you might not be familiar with. And if you are, I really don't know how to feel about you being well, like, I mean, aware. We're familiar with it, so I mean, you know, it's can't, true. we can't really judge. But you will need to know what this means if you didn't before uh, for the entire rest yeah, of the episode. Yeah, because we are going really. to bring this up a lot, and instead of using extreme descriptive terms, I will use the correct terminology, but we want you to know what it is. You know so, who's calling me right now? Griffin. Really? He probably wants to come record with us. I'm not going to answer. Are you serious? I, yes. All right, all right. Well, I'll tell you this. I'm going to text him mid-episode, so we're going to do that. Yeah, all right. We'll, okay. see. We'll, we'll, we'll keep you guys updated with Griff here. Definition of the day. Irimatio. Um, Okay, so let me break this down for you guys in a way that is easily understood. Um, I'm sure you're all familiar with the term fellatio, right? Uh, oral sex. Um... Now, what I actually didn't know about fellatio is that in order for it to be fellatio, there has to be a fellator, somebody who is actively stimulating the penis of a man. Yeah, you got into way more of the jargon with this definition than I did. I... Yeah, Keep I'm... going, man. It's good. So I mean, the, the, fe- the fellator, or the fellator, or however you pronounce that, actively wants to stimulate the penis with their mouth. That is fellatio. Now, on the contrary, irimatio is when the recipient of said penis is unwilling and is not actively stimulating it. It is more of a thrusting into one's mouth. So, the way we would probably describe this here is it's the difference between a blowjob and face fucking, where it's just forced and not enjoyable. 
for both parties. Yeah, if you didn't listen to part one, then screw you, because that's where the warning was for all this stuff. I know it's the first couple minutes of the, of the podcast, but... Uh, yeah. So, ear ratio, yeah. go over it one more time. It's forced oral sex, and... Um, that comes up a lot here in uh, what we're about to talk yeah, about. Yeah, I wanted to cover that so I don't <coughs> have to keep saying forced oral sex. Yeah, it's just irumatio. Now you know. Irumatio. Whenever now, we bring uh, that up, yeah. if you didn't get it, rewind it. I, I gave you a pretty thorough analysis. But uh, yeah, irumatio is a real thing, and uh, we're going to get into that now. That's just a very uh, moderate way of hinting at what's going to happen. And then, uh, okay, so we left off with the little zapples. So he had already, which is a brief, brief, brief recap. He, <laughs> After the definition of Irumatio, let's get into the little zapples. He murdered his grandparents, went to jail, got out of jail, started his life over again, back with his mother. Then he moved out and was doing his own thing. And essentially, where got a we're, motorcycle, crashed yeah. it, got another one, crashed it. Essentially, where it. we left here is we stopped right before the the murders begin. And uh, I'm going to give you one quote here before we jump in. This came later in life, but it really is going to describe where we're going to take you. This is directly from Ed Kemper's mouth. My mother and I had a real tiff. I was pissed. I told her I was going to a movie, and I jumped up and went straight to the campus because it was still early. I said, the first girl that's halfway decent that I pick up, I'm going to blow her brains out. So, yeah, that's a little uh, little look into the future here. Yeah, so um, that's where we're headed now. Yeah. He has officially gone off the deep end with this, and um, we, you know, we covered earlier that he was picking up hitchhikers and taking them to the destination. He mm-hmm. had a weird bag full of tricks in his trunk, and he was doing some real... Uh, yeah, you know, like plastic bags, uh, 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 handcuffs, rope, knives, uh, all, knives the, all the works. He had guns. Mostly a twenty two pistol was his uh, weapon of choice for these kinds of things. Yeah. So what we're going to get into now, this is um, on May 7th, 1972. So this is, he was, you know, this is before he, or this is after he was uh, being a hitchhike driver. Hitch, I, I was we, thinking about it, I was listening back to part one and I said hitchhikery. Yeah. I was thinking hitch, hitch hooker. Hitch hooker, that sounds I, I think good. that one, like, works better. So he was hitch hooking. Yeah. And now the date is May 7th, 1972. So he's driving around and he picks up two 18-year-old hitchhikers that were Fresno State students. Uh... Marianne Pesh, and Anita Mary Lucetta. And uh, pretty much he picked them up. He was going to take them to Stanford. That's yeah, they were on their going. way to Stanford. So um, this guy, he's driving for, uh, what did they say, about an hour or so? Yeah, so he uh, he managed to, like, uh, he was, like, talking to him. You know, he always considered himself a big, like, nerd, like a bumble butt. He was just chatting him up. But um, he managed to uh, change directions, like, completely Smart. opposite. Yeah. You know, he was uh, he was just like keeping them busy with with light conversation, but he managed to change direction and go the complete opposite way of Stanford, and he ended up in the uh, woods of Alameda. Yeah, and he he had known this area because he came out there a lot when he was working with the highway department, and uh, so yeah, he brought him out there, and his intention was that he was going to rape these two women, but like I brought up in part one that uh, he learned a lot when he was in jail. Yeah, for six years. And uh, uh, if you're going to be a rapist, you don't leave witnesses. 
So what he did is he, this is not our opinion. This is the yeah, rapist's well, opinion. Yeah, um, obviously, none know, of this is my opinion. It's just you know, it's right there. He uh, he handcuffed uh, Marianne Pesh, and then he. I mean, I've heard it both ways. Pretty much what I heard from him directly on interviews was that he put Anita Lucheza in the back seat, like bound her hands and locked her in the back seat of the car. So he put her in the trunk, right? That's what it's. I've read that, but he says he put her in the back seat. So it's somewhere trunk back seat. What's the goddamn? Yeah, it's some, sometimes people like you know. Sometimes people say things are like, ah, it's a back seat. Yeah. It's Why like, didn't you put it in the trunk? I said to. It's he, like ah, is it the same thing? He handcuffed know? Marianne Pesh and he put Anita Lucheza. In, we're just going to say he put her in the trunk. He he uh, bound her up. She couldn't go anywhere. He yeah. locked her away. And then what he did is that uh, he stabbed and strangled Marianne Pesh. And then he went back. And pretty much what he says the this situation is that when he opened the car, Anita Lucheza was... I mean, she was obviously very freaked out. She was, like, super not okay with what was going on. I would imagine. Yeah. And, he, he, he took... Uh... He took the first one. It was that was Marianne, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, he took Marianne like away, like into the woods. And, yeah, he walked her. A distance. Yeah, he walked her away. So like, um, uh, so uh, what was her name? Who, Marianne Goddamn. or Anita? Yeah, Anita so Anita, Anita couldn't see what was going on, and yeah. uh, so that that actually leads me to believe she probably was in the backseat. But um, but yeah, so he like let her off and like proceeded to like stab and strangle her and everything. But when he came back, she was like even more frightened because he did have blood on him. Yeah, he, yeah, you know, he, he, there's blood. It wasn't covered, but it was on his arms and his yeah, shirt. Yeah, like this was his first time. He uh, he was he, a bit sloppy. He was a bit of a bumblebutt. He was a bit of a bumblebutt his entire life, and this this was no exception. And then the actually what he said to her, which is funny because I mean, we'll, I'll cover this after we cover what happens to Anita, but uh, she was freaking out, and he said that essentially what he told her was that Marianne Pesh got mouthy with him and started talking shit. So he punched her and broke her nose, and there was blood all over him. And he needed Anita's help to go in the woods and talk some sense into her. And I don't think she bought this. Probably, but she I mean, did yeah. get out of the car and follow him into the woods, and then he stabbed and strangled her as well. And then yeah. I think it was also said that this is kind of like this kind of contests to how sort of like weirdly. I don't know. He he oh, he's a bumble butt. All right, this kind of this is a, a testament. To his bumble buttness, I'm pretty sure when uh, when he was tying up Anita, um, he like accidentally brushed the back he, the back of his hand like yeah. against her boob. He did, and he he says in like interviews like multiple times, he's like that really embarrassed me. I I, I got very shy and and just said, oh, I'm I'm so sorry. Even though he killed her, yeah, that literally was, like five minutes later. That was uh, Marianne Pesh. He apologized to her. And he doesn't remember what he said exactly, but I believe the quote that I have here, what he said is that he oh, said... Oh, it was Marianne? Okay. Yeah, it was Marianne Passion. He said, whoops, I'm sorry, or something like that. <laughs> so, so I mean, I, I, he's a nice young man, I guess, up he, until he kills you. feels bad. Uh, the, um, what happens here, uh, he takes both of their bodies, puts them in the trunk of his Ford Galaxy, the one he bought with that settlement money. That yellow car. And, uh... So he drove back to his apartment, right? And uh, actually, while he was uh, on his way home, he got pulled over by a cop because he had a broken taillight. And uh, he actually, like, talked to the cop and kind of had some fun with him. And uh, the cop never looked in the trunk. Uh, it could have actually ended there that night. But uh, he didn't look at the fucking trunk. Yeah. So yep. Kemper drove back home. Uh, his roommate wasn't there. 
So Luckily. He took the bodies, dragged them into his apartment. Uh, he took a bunch of pictures of them, had sex with their naked dead bodies, and then uh, he chopped up the bodies. Uh, he put most of the parts in plastic bags, and then he abandoned that uh, near like this mountain, uh, Loma Prieta Mountain. Yeah. And then uh, before he chucked both of their severed heads into like a ravine, uh, he engaged in irrimatio with both of them. Ding, ding, ding. It was, do you remember the from the beginning of the episode? And then uh, that was in May. In August, uh, Marianne Pesh's skull was actually found up on the mountain. And uh, they searched for the rest of her remains and uh, anything of Anita Latressa's. And they never found anything but her skull. So, hmm. yeah, that was... Besides his grandparents, that was his first like real go at murder. And, it's uh, nuts. The first time, the first two times he killed people, it was like pears. Yeah, it was yeah, pears. Nuts. And something that I think is honestly, it's a little bit goofy, if you will. Uh, we had, we didn't really talk about it. <laughs> is goofy the right word? It's goofy. Uh, <laughs> so pretty much after he killed the two chicks, right? Uh, he was looking for the car keys to get back into his car. And he couldn't find him. So he started freaking out. And he started, like, running back into the woods. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he tripped over his gun, which he completely forgot that he had his gun on Yeah, that's why he didn't use it. He, like, stabbed and strangled him because he was was just, like, freaking out. He's like, oh, my God, I'm doing this. Yeah, he didn't even realize. (laughs) And uh, actually, in an interview, he talks about that. He says he trips over his gun. He stands up, picks it up, sticks it back in his pants. And that was the moment where he... Pretty much, he almost a direct quote. He was like, "Edmund, take a deep breath, evaluate your situation, <laughs> and relax." So he takes a deep breath and he starts looking through his pockets again. And he's like, "I found the keys. They were in my back pocket. I never put them in my back pocket, but they were in my back pocket." <laughs> but this was anything but a normal situation. Why wouldn't they be in the back pocket? Yeah. So this dude, you could tell by that he was already he was frazzled. He was very like nervous. He was in uh, this situation. Yeah. But yeah, so that was. I mean, after excluding the grandparents, this is his first two murders, and they're pretty big ones. I mean, just a quick recap. I mean, he drives him into the woods, uh, kills him, drags him back home, chops him up, fucks him, takes pictures of him. Throws him onto a mountain, and then... uh, Fucks their heads again. Yeah, I mean, fucks their heads again. uh, Yeah, so then he's got a little bit of a lull here, okay? Uh, that was, like I said, that was May seventh of, of nineteen seventy-two. Yeah, as we go through these, you'll like you'll kind of realize that they that he has like a couple months in between each one. Yeah, they're always pretty scattered. There's one exception to that, but they're all pretty scattered for the most yeah. part. So then that was May. This is uh, September fourteenth, nineteen seventy-two. Yeah, this girl was actually fifteen years old. Yeah, high school student. High the, school the student. The only not co-ed that he actually killed besides his, yeah. you know, besides. Regardless. And uh, what, how is this pronounced? It's Aiko Ko. Aiko Ku? Or Aiko Ku? She's Korean and Latvian. And it's, I will tell you this, it's, it's very A-I-K-O, hard to read. Uh, and last name is K-O-O. Yeah, it's very hard to read what her name is. But uh, yeah, she she was a 15-year-old dance student. Yeah, she had missed the bus uh, to her dance like class. So she decided to hitchhike. And... Uh, Terrible yeah, decision. It was today. it was Mr. Edmund who uh happened to pick her up. Happened to come upon her, so Yeah, so that wasn't good. And this one is I'll tell you this, this one's absolutely outrageous because this just kind of shows you the personality that he had. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so pretty much what happens is uh, they're driving, right? And uh, Ed Kemper pulls out his, his gun, his twenty two pistol, and he has her at gunpoint while he's driving. And then something occurs, uh, and he pulls over, and he gets out of the car, and uh, he leaves the gun in the car. Like, he's just outside of the car, and he actually locks himself out of the car. Yep. So yep. this girl, uh, Aiko Ku, is in the car with the gun, and the guy that had the gun pointed at her is locked outside of the vehicle. He and, managed to somehow convince her that he was, like, on her side and, like, going to be a friend to her, even with this gun pulled on him. Yeah, her. because and, yeah. she opened the door. She let him back in. Yeah, she let him back into the car. Yeah, and then he, honestly, he wasted no time. Uh, yeah, after he, that, he was like, I almost just got screwed right here, right now. And uh, so, yeah, he ends up uh, choking her and uh, raping her and killing her, you know. Choke, rape, kill. Choke, rape, kill. Uh, And then, uh, yeah, he packed the body in the trunk, you know, same as before. And, uh, you know, brought it back to his uh, apartment. He was still living with his roommate. I think his roommate wasn't home again. I don't know where this roommate was this whole time. Uh, Yeah. Or if he, like, had no sense of smell. He doesn't talk about it. I think it was was probably, like, a weird, like, work schedule. Probably. Because, like, they both kind of worked, like, odd shifts. And Mm. this this was more of, like, your 9-to-5 situation, like... I mean, she missed the bus, so this was thinking locally. It's probably somewhere around five or six in the evening. Yeah, like, uh, yeah. I don't, you know, I don't know what time or, dance classes start. Well, yeah, like I mean, you think like, like for a high school student, like a dance class, it's probably somewhere oh, yeah, it's like pro- late okay. afternoon. Yeah, you're right. It's probably like after school or something. So yeah, like th- this was. That's what makes it even more insane. Is I mean, they don't say how long it took him to like you know, take her somewhere and do all this to her, but this all happened in like. Broad daylight, essentially. Like, yeah. it wasn't like two in the morning. Like, this was like five o'clock in the afternoon, and he mm-hmm. was back at his apartment before fucking midnight. So, that's what's like even more insane. Yeah. Well, technically not, because after he shoves him in the back of his car in the trunk, uh, he actually went to a bar and had some drinks. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, this is how kind of ballsy he got. Uh, he was it the cop bar? Was it? Uh, was it the jury room? Do I don't you know. know. Does it I've... say? I, he, I don't think anyone's ever said. I've never found that information of the All name. Right, yeah, he probably didn't. He probably wasn't that gutsy at this point. It was only his second uh, yes. hitchhiking kill. Especially you know? this, because he leaves the bar, and before he like goes to his house, like he's still out in the parking lot of this bar, he pops open the trunk, and uh, his direct quote was that he admired his fish. Or he ad- <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry. He admired his catch like a fisherman. And then he popped the trunk back closed and drove back to his apartment. So he he just killed this girl, fifteen uh, year old girl, uh, and uh, killed her. Uh, uh, you know, put it put her in uh, his trunk. Got sauced, and then just was looking at her in the fucking parking lot in his trunk like a dead girl. Yep. Yep. And, uh, and then just proceeded to go home and probably oh, and- probably chop her up right, chopped her head off. Uh, then he went home and fucked the corpse, uh, dismembered it, and disposed of the remains in a very similar manner to the other ones. Yeah. And uh, the, honestly, the kind of well, it's not funny at all. But uh, the saddest part about this victim is that uh, her mother actually called the cops and like reported her disappearance. 
and printed out like tons of flyers and like posted them all over mm-hmm. of like you know have you seen this girl which i would hope any good parent would do and uh she received zero response regarding that and pretty much uh didn't learn anything about this until he got caught so damn there was a gap of time where they just didn't know what happened to their daughter and uh I don't think it was a good relief when uh, he admitted to Prob- it. I mean, probably not. I mean, they, At least there was the amount of closure there. that comes from like not knowing to just knowing that she was brutally dismembered and raped, uh, I can't imagine would be a lot. Not yeah. not a lot of uh, relief from that. No, probably not. Honestly, it didn't. It probably didn't help, especially especially some of the things like I mean, with the, with the first one. You can kind of tell, like, the two hitchhikers, uh, you can kind of tell that he's nervous and, like, bumbly. And, I mean, he's he's nervous and bumbly in this one, too. Yeah. He apparently would, like, practice, like, pu- just the act of pulling out the gun, though. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, like, he... Just so he had it on mark. Yeah, like, he, he would do it, like, hundreds, he said, probably thousands of times. That was probably some hyperbole there. But, like, he said he he practiced it, like, a ton. Like, the, the just the very specific movements so he wouldn't drop it and that kind of thing. He actually did have this thing, also, that um, that he, like, uh, unveiled in some of his, like, uh, interviews later on. When uh, when they would get into the car, he would, um, would kind of reach across them, eventually, and say, Oh, I don't think your door is closed. And he would have, a, like, a, he would have, like a, uh, a stick of chapstick in his hand. And so he would reach across and say, oh, my, uh, like, the door isn't closed. He would open it and then pop it back closed. And he would drop this chapstick behind the um, the mechanism to open the door, basically, the, like, the handle. So if they tried to get it, like, they couldn't they couldn't unlock it because it was, like, jammed. Yeah. yeah that's... He had a lot of little very strange things. I'll that tell you what, honestly, if you're, like... He paid a lot of attention to it. In this situation, this dude's fucking going hard. Like, that, he that's really like, is. He's playing it smart. He's really trying to, like, cover all of his bases here. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah, so then... That was in September, so we have September a September 14th of 72, yeah. And then there's a bit of a lull. It takes until January 7th of the following year uh-huh. for him to come... Upon his, uh, what, is, what what is the number of victims? Are we counting the grandparents and number of victims up until this yeah, point? Yeah, definitely. All right, so two, that then two, six. then one. So this is the sixth. Yeah, it's so uh, Cindy Shaw. Cindy Shaw. So this one, pretty cut, pretty cut and dry, similar to the other ones. He picks up an 18-year-old. Uh, she's hitchhiking. One important thing to note before we get into it is he is living with his mother again at this point. Yes, yes, good point. He's back with his mom. He left the apartment. He couldn't afford it. And uh, so he drives Cindy Shaw into a like secluded area in the woods and shoots her uh, in the head with a twenty two caliber pistol. Um, he does uh, his usual. He puts the body in the trunk and he drives back to his mother's house where pretty much he came home late and what he did is he snuck the body into his room and he hid it in his closet overnight. And then the next morning when his mom went to work, he went into his closet, pulled out the body, uh, fucked it, pulled the bullet out. Yeah, made sure to get the bullet out. And then he dumped the body in uh, his mom's bathtub and hacked it up and cut the head off. Yep. And then uh, this one was unique for him, at least in a sense, because he hadn't done this before. He kept her severed head for several days 
and pretty regularly. I, they, he hasn't said how regular, but, but Irimatio a lot. He fucked uh, that head for a while. Yeah, and some a strange thing that he did with it actually. He, so this was the first head that he had kept for like several days and not gotten rid of. After it had like you know uh, decayed quite a bit and become. Uh, Non irremaciable, I guess. Yeah, like, I, I, I mean, guess. Let's face it, you don't want to get rot on your fucking dick. So. Yeah, I mean, not none of us want that. But anyway, just a, uh, thought. <laughs> just a thought. It's just a thought. Just a thought. But um, so he kept it for several days. He actually buried it in his mom's garden, like, and it, and it was. He said it was it was like by her bedroom, like right outside of her bedroom window. Yeah, he buried right it. Window. Yeah, he buried it in his mom's garden with the face facing upward. And why did he do that, Jake? Because why did he do uh, that? <laughs> this is a quote from him. He said, "Mom always wanted people to look up to her." Boom! Boom! Roasted. Fuck roasted him. only for him, just something so we could smirk about it later. I don't know, that man. That is some straight-up Freddy Krueger <laughs> shit right there. That is some fucking Ash Williams It's like Freddy the campiest, like, gore thing I've ever heard. That man. is ridiculous. And then, uh... Yeah, so so he, yeah that's, that's, uh, that's Cindy Shaw. That's then what he happened dumped to her. the rest of her remains uh, off a cliff. And then, uh, <laughs> he, gets, he gets more, like, cartoony with the things yeah, he does as he goes. He fucking, uh, Wiley Coyote... Yeah, fucking, uh, he does that shit, dumps it off a cliff, and then um, so the cops actually uh, start investigating, right? And they find everything but Cindy Shaw's head and her right hand. Yeah, and they pretty much they uh, the quote that they gave on their file was that they pieced it together like a macro, um, macabre jigsaw puzzle, and uh, pretty much what they figured out, at least according to their sciences and shit was that uh, she'd been hacked to death, then cut into pieces with a power saw. So they were, I mean, let's face it, they were kind of incorrect, because he did shoot her in the head with a pistol, yeah. but she wasn't hacked to death. I'm pretty sure he cut her up with an axe. Yeah, I don't I don't know. That's just what they say. Yeah. Maybe maybe the cut. He was a, a huge motherfucker. Maybe yeah. he just had such like That's such, what I was gonna say. such powerful and true swings that it just seems Paul Bunyan swinging the axe is different than me yeah. trying to do that shit. I mean, come on. Yeah, the the yellow galaxy is his babe. Yeah, it's you know, big blue eyes. So yeah, he uh Yeah, wow. Okay, so uh <laughs> he's uh <laughs> Over the course of uh, 1972 and early parts of 73, he's made it a pretty regular occurrence to uh, have sex with dead bodies and uh, also have sex with their severed heads. And Separately. I, uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, this is something I, I'm just curious about because I'm that kind of a weird person. What, what are you about to say? Um, How does that work? What do you, what do you how mean? How does... Sex with a severed head work. Do you... I don't want answers to this question, but I'm airing my thoughts here to the public. How does this work? You, 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 okay, you gotta... Obviously, yes, you go through the mouth. That's the only opening you could really have, correct? So do you Theoretically. Just, do you just kind of pull it open? Do you pop the teeth out? What do you do? Do you just... Oh, yeah, we were talking about that. Like, the teeth would be a problem, but... Uh, pop those bitches out. But then you could just do that, and it just gets more and more terrible is you just keep thinking about it yeah it's a very intense subject but it's something that uh you i know, imagine you, you'd have to covers have everything. Uh, it doesn't explain how the logistics of that works i feel like no one's asked that specific question i feel like you'd have to have powerful shoulder muscles you'd have to do you something know? and it 
it's weird because I mean, obviously, yeah, this is like something that he is like repeating, and he keeps doing. But I just I don't know. It's it's very hard to kind of maybe maybe this is the rational part of my existence that's coming out. But uh, it's just a little insane to me to think that this is like what he does, and it's like regular too. So it's like. Oh, dude. oh, God, the sanitary you know, problems that come yeah, along just, with that. Just, there's just a lot of problems here. But uh, you want to get back into the police investigation of it? Yes. Let's, why yeah. don't we do that and get off yeah. this? Yeah, the, oh, the, uh, oh. the, the details of Irimatio. We don't need that. Yeah, it's, yeah, okay. All right, police, so the cops, what are they doing about this? What so, are they doing here? Yeah, pretty much. This is, uh, it's actually overheard i believe at the jury room if i'm not mistaken you correct me if i'm wrong but it's overheard he's talking about his gun and essentially what happens is that they start like looking into it because i mean at this point he's already been like a friendly nuisance to them yeah and he's just piling around with them he's like oh yeah my gun uh, we do that you know i'd fucking shoot cans off my fence or something like that but like yeah he's just like the friendly nuisance he comes in there he bullshits with them yeah. Whatever. So he's talking, and he's talking about his forty-four Magnum that he has. And somebody, they don't give a name, but somebody kind of looks into it a little bit. And they look at his record, and he does have a registered forty-four Magnum to him. And they kind of look at his record, and they see the redacted information of uh, the double homicide when he was yeah. 15. Yeah, like I said in the, I think the first part... Like back then, when they redacted things, they didn't. It wasn't like a computer-based thing where you could like delete it. It's it, it was. They pen. literally crossed it out. It's just like, a pen. They just crossed it out. It's just a out. pen with like marker over it. In the right light, you hold it up to like the horizon. You can read that shit. Yeah. So they they look at this right, and then they're like, "Well, we have to like do something about this." So I actually, it's funny. I actually heard him talk about this in an interview. And uh, he Very said, interesting how it goes down. He was at his house, right? Well, his mother's house. This is where he's at now, his house. Yeah. And um, the cops are outside, and they're, they're scoping out the house across the street from him. And after a, after about an hour or two of that, he kind of goes up to him and starts, like, chit-chatting with him. And he's more just like, you know, what are you looking for? And um, he gave the numbers. I didn't write them down. But they're looking at the, the address, right? And the house across the street from his mother's house, they shared the same numbers, but they're on different streets. Yeah, it was like a cross, like a like a, a crossroads. Yeah, so know, they're sort of they're thing. looking at well for this purpose, we'll say it's like nine fifty six. So Something they're looking like at nine fifty six Road One, and he lives at nine fifty six Road Two. So they're looking at the wrong house, and he's kind of just like talking to him, and then uh, it comes up at some point where the, he's one like, of the cops is like, "Are you like Ed Kemper?" He's, he's like, like yeah, yes, I am, sir. I fucking am. So they tell him what's going down, right? And uh, they're like, you know, we need to come to your house. We need to, we need to talk to you. So he's internally, he's panicking, and they, it comes out that they're looking for a gun. That like they know he has this gun that he shouldn't have, and they're they're gonna look for it. Mm. So Ed's like very nervous, and honestly, this goes to show you his personality. How like kind of. He understands how the cops, like, do their job. Yeah, I mean, he's hanging out with them constantly. Plus, as we said in the first part, his IQ is, like, through the goddamn roof. Yeah. So he, he like, he's he's handling himself in this situation. It's a, Yeah, go ahead, Greg. Yeah, so pretty much um, there, he, he doesn't say, like, oh, you're looking for this. 
because at this point he has the forty four magnum, but he also has the twenty two caliber pistol, which is the murder weapon. Yeah, and so, he apparently he has a bunch of other guns. Too, well, yeah, but like, and he's but thinking, yeah, he's he's like, all right, which gun are you looking right. for? And he can't ask that because he doesn't want them to know that he has these guns. He can't yeah. have them. So what he does is he makes a comment. And essentially what that comment is, is like, oh, you're looking for that little thing. And the cop, um, I mean, he doesn't know, but what the cop says is like, well, that's no little thing. You know, a forty four Magnum is a big fucking gun. Yeah. So and, that just yeah. gave it away. He's like, all right, they're looking for the forty four. Thank God, because if they asked for the twenty two, I would have been fucked. Like, that would have yeah. been, been it right there. Again, and, strike two. That would have ended the whole thing right there because yeah. they would have had the murder weapon. And the cop that, that actually went out to, to get it, uh, to actually like retrieve the gun from Ed Kemper, like it was, he was like a new guy in the force. Like when they were back at the office, they found out, like, oh my god, like Big Ed, the guy who hangs out with us, that big ass motherfucker, he has a gun, and someone has to go like take it away from him. All right, we we're like, who who has to do this? I'm pretty sure they literally drew straws, and the fucking Probably. and the newbie, the squid, he like he came up with the short straw, and he was like, oh god, I gotta go do this. So he wasn't, like, the sharpest, like, I mean, he, I'm sure he was smart, but he wasn't as experienced as, like, a cop that could have been sent to do this. So that definitely contributed to the fact he didn't get caught here. Yeah, and then, um, so he has a little reprieve there, right? And almost, now this is where things kind of start to condense. That was, uh, so he murdered Cindy Shaw in January. And yeah, then January 7th. So within a month. He's back at murder. So he's got, like, this almost... Within a month, and the cops came to his yeah. house and took his gun within the same time. So, like, the cops are coming to his house, and he's still deciding mere days later to just go out and do it again. Yeah, so pretty much uh, what he's doing... Uh, actually, you know, I'm going to talk about this first. So, it, it, during this time, it's it's no secret that these co-eds are disappearing from my college campuses... Yeah, and um, they're actually a lot. Of, they're all advised that uh, you don't get into a car without the university sticker on it, because then you know they're a little bit more trustworthy. They're affiliated with the yeah. university. Yeah, the university was doing a lot to to do. They were putting up signs like "Don't hitchhike" mm-hmm. for like without the sticker. They had an increased bus schedule. Like they were very aware that there was like a problem. Yeah, and these two very very interesting things happen during this time. Um. As we've stated in the first part, um, Kemper's mom uh, actually worked at the university. So, bim, bam, boom, he had a university sticker on his car. Yeah. So that wasn't a problem for him. But then uh, he was still doing the hitchhiking. But what's funny is he talks about this, and he makes this a point in a lot of situations that, like, at this point in, like, late 72, early 73, it was it was big news. Like, that's what the kids were talking about. And uh, he'd pick them up. And even if he was going to kill these people, in his head he's like, I'm going to fucking kill these people. Um, if they were talking about, if they got in the car and were like, essentially like, hey, you know, do you guys, like, have you guys with, been hearing about this guy that's fucking killing hitchhikers? Yeah, like what's with this like story going around? Could you imagine? <sighs> yeah, then they'd start kind of like, uh, you know, guessing as to like what he looks like or who he is or what he does or, you know, oh, is he handsome or what? To the guy. And, yeah, they're to talking Ed to Kemper. Fucking they're him. talking to him, Ed Kemper, in his fucking yellow galaxy. And for lack of a better term, he is so mild mannered when it comes to things like this that the fu- that's one of my favorite quotes that he ever said is that he's like, if they got into my car 
and started talking about the co-ed killer. He's like, they didn't know it, but they were getting a free ride because I wasn't going to touch that with a 10-foot pole. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the exact quote. So it's like... He's like, he, they were getting a free ride. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like, if you brought this up to him, I mean, obviously they didn't know that they were talking to him, and he didn't know anything other than he was the guy doing it, but it made him so, like, nervous, and he got... I believe he said that his palms would get sweaty and he'd get really clammy, and he just was like, you know, like... Classic bumblebutt. There's nothing... Uh, it pretty much it's like the classic case of like these guys are onto me so for some reason he would just let them go i don't understand it but that was when he would pretty much just like not do anything about it he was yeah. like fuck it i'll take you to your destination and fucking leave and then that leads us to february 5th right yeah that was a big day that was a big that day. was the big day not so, the big day that not the coming. big day but yeah it's, it's probably right. one of the biggest days this is the eve of the big day yeah, I would, yeah, I agree yeah, with that statement. Yeah. So February fifth of uh, nineteen seventy three, um, again, it's two. It's uh, Rosalind Thorpe and Allison Lynn. Uh, they're students. Allison Lou. Lou. Oh, uh, yes, yes. Okay, like in lieu of something else, yeah. like that. Kind I of think thing. that's how you'd probably pronounce it. I think so. Yeah, yeah. You're so right. Their names like Alice, 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 Helen, Lou. Yeah. I, I guess that's not really that important, but yeah, I but still, no, it's good. It's good. So, uh, you know, they were advised not to hitchhike and everything. And I'm pretty sure uh, Rosalind Thorpe was actually, um, she was kind of apprehensive to get into the car. But then Alice... No, it was uh, the other way around. It was the other way around. All right, so Alice, Allison Liu, she was apprehensive about getting into the car. And Rosalind yeah, pretty uh, much Thorpe, Rosalind was like, oh, she was like, oh come on. Worry about. Like, Look come at him. In. Look at this bumble butt in here. Don't even worry. And fucking little did she know that Allison was the smart one in that situation. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, he he shot them both with a twenty-two. Yeah, he wasted uh, no time. Like, he he really he didn't, didn't really like drive far. He just turned around, pretty much got off the road, and just fucking shot yeah. both of them. Yeah, he so he shot both of them. He wrapped them both in blankets, and this was actually something that was uh, you, you could tell he was getting he was he was, he was either getting gutsy or like and like. Uh, no, this he is had a lot of hubris guts. here. This is guts. or he was just losing his goddamn mind. But he, so he took him. He wrapped him in blankets after popping him in the head with a twenty-two. He took him back to his house. It was roughly like ten o'clock, ten thirty or so. His mom was home, and his neighbors were awake. They had a huge, huge window. It was it was open. The lights were on. All it would take was for them to like walk across to see what he was doing. This motherfucker fucking opened the trunk of his car and beheaded them both in his car trunk. So, uh, yeah, that, uh, no regard how do you feel about that, else. Grant? How do you feel about that? Honestly, I feel conflicted about that in a way because... Hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I feel conflicted about it too, but like... Not like the act. I mean, the act is <laughs> reprehensible in itself, but it's like... Honestly, I think it was... I kind of think it was a double-sided thing here where it's like he had gotten away with a lot and like so do you, much... do you think it was hubris or was he just losing his goddamn mind no I think I think it was a little bit of hubris of just like you know there's I fucking left pretty much like he knows it too that he's like there's so many times that he could have gotten caught with what he did previously and he didn't so I think it was some hubris but I also maybe this is like the cliche answer I think it was almost a way for him, like, crying out for, like, someone to find him. Because it's like, I'll, I mean, I'll talk about this later once we get into it, some of the quotes he has. 
I mean, he was pretty, like, sickened by some of the things he did, even though he went through with them anyway. Yeah. And, I mean, before it was, like, a very hidden thing. He'd drive you out into the middle of fucking nowhere, places that most people don't go. Like, he knew of it because of his job. And he'd drive him out there and do it all, bring him home, and then make sure nobody was around before he did it. Yeah. And then this, I mean, not only do you have to worry about neighbors, but, like, his mom is there. So his mom like, is home, it's like, like upstairs, like things, reading a paperback. Some shit. I think whether it be subconscious or not, he was kind of hoping that somebody would see it. So then that way it was just like, well, it's over. Like, you know, I did what I did, but it's over now. Hmm. But no such luck. He fucking got away <laughs> with this one, too. Yeah, yeah he uh, yeah, he ended up taking him into the house, uh, the two headless corpses. And uh, he had sex with him, Irimatio, all the normal stuff that he uh, tended to do. And, and fucking uh, body fucking dismemberment. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff. And then the next morning, order. yeah, not in that order. Not in any particular order, I would assume. Whatever he wanted. Hey, whatever he wanted to, they're dead. But um, so yeah, he got rid of the bodies the next morning. Uh, I believe in Eden Canyon, as lo- as well as uh, just throwing random body parts out of his car on uh, Highway One. Yeah, you this motherfucker. You know, like he was uh, just tossing them out like 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 fucking bags of trash. You guys ever see uh, you on know, the like, freeway? You like Breaking Bad? When uh, fucking Jesse has all that cash, and he's just driving down the street, chucking it out his window. Yeah, that's yeah. like what he's doing, but it's with a human body part. Yeah, it's he's like just with going hands down the and like femurs and shit. Sixty and miles like, an hour, just like we got a fucking hand here, toss that shit. So we out. got a quarter of a pelvis here. He's I'm just gonna throw that out the back. Picks up this bag. I don't know what the fuck that is. That's going out the window too. It's like I don't know what this used to be. It looks like a frisbee though. That'll be fun. Yeah. So like, this guy, this is straight up him. Just like this is kind of why I'm thinking like it's a mix of. Him being very, like, I'm not going to get caught. But the other part of him also being like, I really fucking want to get caught right now. <laughs> so, I, I can see that. Because it's like, yeah, he's, like, not even trying to hide it anymore. He's just somehow getting away with, like, these crazy things. <laughs> it's really insane, actually. Yeah. It really is. Well, I mean, it was after this that he started feeling like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. And it, like, what what am I what am I doing? <laughs> he actually, he was actually getting real upset with himself. Yeah, he really was. It was, uh... Uh, things came to a head, if you can tell. Ha! Oh! Funny. Things came to a head oh, on yes. uh, April 20th, 1973. 420, dude. Yeah, the just the date that's everything ever. Um, <laughs> pretty much, uh, this day was real weird. It was very unlike other nights, uh... He was at home, and his mom was actually... Uh, she was out. Yeah, she was out. It, she, I think she was at a party or something. Yeah. And um, he was uh, he was sitting up, just hanging out. And then uh, she was, you know, she got home. She was reading a book, right? And Ed comes into the room, and uh, she looked at him in the eyes and said, uh, I suppose you're going to want to sit up all night and talk now. And... Pretty much, I think it took everything in his power to not just blow up on her. I mean, yeah, he... Because, well, like, he would do that. He would go in and, like, tell her all his feelings and all that. Yeah. Because he wanted to have a relationship with his mother, and she absolutely hated it. She yeah. hated him. So then he, all he oh, said to God. her was, no, good night. And then he went his way. She was in her room. Uh, he waited until she fell asleep. Was, I think it was like three or four hours after that. Yeah, and then, so she's sleeping. She's passed out, right? And uh, he goes into her room, uh, bludgeons her in the head with a claw hammer, and slits her throat with a knife. 
And then he wastes no time on this one. He cuts her head off and fucks it. And then... Um, Irumatio. Yeah. Irumatio. He fucks his own mother's head. And then pretty much what he says he does. Now, this is even more insane. We're not uh, even halfway done with what he did to his mom. Here's his uh, direct quote. So her head is severed. Her body's, her body's dead. Her head's severed. Um, direct quote. Quote. I put her head on a shelf and screamed at it for an hour. Then I threw some darts at it, and then ultimately I smashed her face in. So he put... He used his mom's face as a dartboard, just break. like above the mantle. Take a break for a minute and well, picture, well, just picture a severed it. head and picture the largest man you've ever seen in your life <laughs> just picking that severed head up by the hair and setting it down on a shelf. Okay, it's just on the shelf. Get through that part. Put that in your head right now. Instead of just leading it there, he screams at it. He For just, like an hour. He just screams <laughs> at it. He's he just, just screaming. He just lays into this head. severed head. And then he throws darts at it. And then after he's done with that, he just beats it and just smashes it in. Yeah, he's, he smashes the face in. Um, he actually <laughs> he proceeds to cut out the tongue and the larynx. Yep, yep. And uh, he puts uh, those into the garbage disposal of the house. And <laughs> what's funny about this part as if it wasn't funny enough, the uh, the vocal cords kept popping out of the garbage disposal. Yeah, because like they were they were like too thick up. and tough, so they like kept uh, they kept popping up. And what was his quote on this? His it was, exact uh, quote was uh, <laughs> that seemed appropriate as much as she bitched and screamed and yelled at me over so many years. Ah, uh, dude, just just Looney Tunes up the ass. It is so. <laughs> he this is, guy is fucking he Freddy is ridiculous. <laughs> this guy is a living horror movie. That's like what he is. Oh god. So then, uh, <laughs> yeah. and then, and then, he, then he, okay, it's so, not over. So yeah, so after this, um, he like goes out and um, oh, no, no, he, no, he, he puts his mother's corpse in uh, his closet. Oh, uh, yes. Okay. And then he goes I'm out sorry. for a drink. Yeah, and then he goes out for a drink. He actually. <laughs> He actually uh, he runs pet like on the street. He like goes by his uh, his buddy. I think it may have been his ex roommate or something like that. But he like apparently owed him ten bucks. And Ed Kemper is just reaming right now. He is riled up. He just murdered his mom through darts at it. Literally, he the source of just, all of his pain in his life. He just he just murdered, murdered and it, fucked and threw darts at, at it. And like okay, so he is he is just he's. He's gone crazy, right? He's just he's in a mood. He's in a mood for lack of a better word. Uh and he's he comes across his friend who owes him ten bucks. Luckily his friend paid him. Can you imagine oh. if his friend didn't have that ten dollars? He'd have been victim, uh he would have been the next He would have been the first like male victim. Yeah, yeah, oh, well, my other God. than grandpa. Yeah, other than grandpa, but uh That was so that was, long out, ago. That was out of mercy. That grandpa happened, you know, it was yeah. so long ago. Ah, who even Cares about but yeah, so that, but, that night yeah, wasn't and, over yet. And so yeah, and then he went to get a drink with him and everything. And uh, yeah, you can take it from there. He, yeah, he went right. to go get a drink with his friend who owed him ten dollars, and he saved his life by paying it. Okay, so now think of it like this: if you have a debt, pay it back. His mom's head severed. Her larynx and fucking tongue are in the garbage disposal. Her body is in the closet, and uh, he's he's out right now. He's at a bar. He's getting a drink. So he comes home. All right, he's back at his house. He invites his mom's best friend over, uh, Sarah Taylor Hallett. And uh, he invites her over. He's like, hey, why don't you come over? We'll watch your dinner and have a movie, right? <laughs> did you mean to say that? Yeah, you know. Watch dinner and have a movie? Oh, did I say that? Yeah. Oh, my God, I'm sorry. 
Jesus Christ, I'm, so, I'm thinking too hard. No, right it's now. all good. We're all, we're just, we're all just riled up. They're gonna watch a movie and have dinner. I apologize. She and he's like, oh, it's gonna be a surprise like get together for you and my mom. We'll all have a great time. Yeah, and then uh, so she gets there. And, uh, you know, funny enough, she walks in the door, and he's planning, he is planning on killing this woman. I mean, it, we, you probably figured that already. But she comes in, and her immediate thing is like, I have to sit down, I'm dead. And I just love, that's my favorite part of this whole story. And, dude, that just sums up everything that's going to fucking happen to her. That was, a, that was a joke he didn't even have to tell. That was a... And then, uh, believe it or not, uh, he strangles her to death. I, well, I, he, you didn't see that one. Right? After uh, hitting her with a brick. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he did smack her across the head with a brick. Yeah. But then he strangles her to death. Uh, Sarah Taylor her. Hallett. Funny enough, does not fuck the head on this one. But he does sleep next to her dead body that night. Yeah. Doesn't have sex with it. Um, he puts that body in the closet as well. And uh he got he gets rid of any like signs of a disturbance and then basically uh, cleans up the house, you know. He leaves a note for the police and uh I have the note here, I'm gonna read it to you. Approximately five fifteen AM Saturday. No need for her to suffer anymore at the hands of this horrible murderous butcher. It was quick, asleep, the way I wanted it. Not sloppy and incomplete, gents. Just a lack of time. I got things to do. Lack of time in quotations. And uh, I got things to do is followed by three exclamation points. It is. He's, he's pumped about this. He, he really is. So, yeah, pretty much what he does from here is he leaves. He drives nonstop, just does not stop driving, gets in his car, and he goes to Pueblo, Colorado. And uh, he's waiting. He's waiting for like the news to break and it to be on TV or the radio. Yeah, but he hasn't heard a single goddamn thing. Mm-hmm. And then, so, no news. No news is bad news in this situation for him. And uh, he calls the cops on himself. He uses a uh, pay phone. Yeah, he goes to a phone booth and calls the cops. Uh, he confesses to the murderers, and uh, the cops actually kind of just like, Pretty much, they don't, like, laugh it off, but they're just like, all right, like, uh, like <laughs> just call back later, like, when you, when we, when you have some evidence or something. They're kind of just like, this guy's fucking around, like, what does he want, right? So then he waits just to make sure, and then uh, nothing happens, he hears nothing. So a couple hours later, he calls again. And he specifically... What kind of cops are these? <laughs> I don't know, what the hell, man? He specifically calls... Um, or he calls again and specifically asks to talk to an officer that he knows. Mm. So he tells him that, uh, you know, I killed my mom and her best friend. Um, you know, I'm turning myself in. And then he also admitted that he killed uh, six co-eds. Or students, I guess, not all co-eds. Yeah. And then um, pretty much the guy, I mean, this comes later, but this, this is important here, I think. Uh, the reason he turned himself in, uh, this is a direct quote, uh, quote, the original purpose was gone. It wasn't serving any physical or real or emotional purpose. It was just a pure waste of time. Emotionally, I couldn't handle it much longer. Toward the end there, I started feeling the folly of the whole damn thing. And at the point of near exhaustion, near collapse, I just said to hell with it and called it all off. So was he tired or did he? was he realizing it was bad? He's kind of saying both here. This, this quote specifically is... The reason that I think, uh, like I said earlier, lay it on me. That um, I think that's why he kind of wanted to turn himself in. Because I mean, look at this now. So like, yeah, the mom's dead, and like that's that's a big step for him to take. 
But <laughs> that's a big step, Ed. It is, but I think honestly, I think even previous to the mob, I think he wanted it to be over. But it's yeah. one of those things that like. Yeah, they, the root he, of the problem wasn't gone, so he couldn't stop. Yeah, he he uh, he said in a couple interviews, he said he knew that he was going to kill his mom like a week before. He yeah, did like, it. it was he, coming. It was he decided. He like, just he didn't knew. know when or how or like what was going to happen. Yeah, and it just she happened to pick the wrong day. He was in a bad mood. He wanted to kill somebody, and she happened to you know push the wrong button and fucking bland dude, uh, throat slit, penis and mouth, uh, darts and face. Uh, yeah. Tongue and larynx and uh, garbage disposal. But yeah. So, Body in closet. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I have a lot of quotes here, and I want to... Just go through a couple of them. I, I want to go back, just to lighten the mood here a little bit, because we've been through a lot of very heavy things here. Um, This this definitely kind of goes back to part one. You ever and, seen a Pomeranian? Yeah, Those things are adorable. Think about those for a sec. But uh, this goes back, this is a quote, that it's very closely related to kind of what we've been talking about last week and a little bit this week of like his personality, you know? And I think this really paints a good image. This goes mm-hmm. back to when, uh, this was after his arrest for for these murders, like when he was in prison. But he's talking about when he got out when he was 21, right? Uh, quote, when I, got on the, when I got out on the street, it was like being on a strange planet. People my age were not talking the same language. I'd been living with people older than I for so long that I was an old fogey, end quote. Old fogey. So this is, I mean... Like John Fogarty? Obviously, this guy's personality is very intense, but there are parts of him that are very light and, like, kind of jolly. He's like he's like a full gallon of, like, mild hot sauce. It's like... It's, it's insanity. He's very strange. It's insanity. And then... I'll, uh, well, I'll get into more quotes later. I have some really interesting quotes, but we'll, we'll, we'll top yeah. the episode yeah. off with that. He was, uh, so, after this, like, after he, so he drove to, what was it? It was uh, Pueblo, Colorado. Yep. Yeah, he drove to Pueblo, Colorado. He confessed on the phone. They finally took him seriously after the second time. And uh, so, all right, he was indicted in uh, May 7th of 1973. Yeah, and I mean, they moved fast, too. Cause they did. His official arrest. Uh, the murder of his mom was on April twentieth. His official arrest and like booking date, like the you know the typical uh, mug shot, it was the twenty eighth. So it was a week and a day. Yeah. It took for them to book him and fucking like get his ass in jail. And it was just over a week that he was indicted afterward on in May seventh uh-huh. of nineteen seventy three. And uh, yeah, he, he was when he was like uh, being held waiting for the trial. He uh, he tried to commit suicide twice. Yeah. He actually, do it. yeah, he failed. Um. And the trial was on October 23rd. Yep. And so, yeah, he had a couple months to ruminate on all this. And uh, and can, yeah. I, can I just get into a part that I think is fucking insane? Yeah, of course. Um. Okay, so pretty much his lawyers, or like their court-appointed court lawyers, he, wasn't, he didn't have no fucking lawyer. Yeah. Uh, their thought was that the only option they had was to plead not guilty by like reason of insanity. And pretty much uh, by this time, by October, they were like, the court-appointed psychiatrists were like, no, this guy's like completely sane. Yeah, there were three court-appointed psychiatrists. And then, um, so this one guy, uh, Dr. Joel Fort, he investigated the juvenile records, and uh, he did find that he was once, you know, declared psychotic. And then um, what he did is he actually also interviewed Kemper... 
under uh, truth serum, which is fucking that's like, insane. I, I didn't know that was real. That that's like some villainy shit. Well, I mean, it's used in the justice system, I guess. But like, let me tell you, is that a drugs. thing? It's just drugs. Is that just make you docile or something, and like okay with whatever you're saying, or like what? Essentially, what's what it's called is uh, it's pentothal, and it's a mix. It sounds so simple. It's a mix of well, there's a lot of names in here that I can't even pronounce. Either. All right, so that's the okay. Uh, it it includes ethanol, scopolamine, three quinclodinyl. Uh, benzoate, midazolam, fluentrazepine, and sodium theopentol. We all know what that is, right? But uh, it's essentially, it's just a bunch of psychoactive drugs that like calm you down and kind of open you up and like. It, yeah, it's not basically like, just make you docile. You do have to remember this was in the seventies. They don't use this shit anymore because essentially. It's the same as fucking getting someone really drunk or stoned and convincing them that they did something and then having them repeat it back to you and saying that they admitted it to you. But uh, he did actually admit under truth serum to Dr. Joel Fort that uh, he had engaged in cannibalism with some of his victims. And it wasn't your typical Jeffrey Dahmer cannibalism. (laughs) This one, he just took a little slice of skin from the leg and then uh, he would cook it into a nice macaroni casserole. Yep, yep. <laughs> macaroni casserole. Uh, but this... I wonder if he served it to his mom. Yeah, I don't know. Well, this... Did he cook for his mom? This never came up in his official, like, case. I think it was actually thrown out of testimony. Yeah, he, he later recanted it yeah, because he, he was under truth serum, which, yeah. And then... Yeah, so this dude, it, it, that but was that's, weird. But that's it's put a, out there. That's put out into the ether. It's kind of something to speculate about. Um, yeah, and then you know? they use the the Monoton Standard, which uh, it's just an old ancient, not ancient, it's from like 1840. It's just a standard that they use in court back in these days that says pretty much everybody is a sane human being unless proven otherwise. Mm-hmm. And it has to be clearly proven that at the time of them committing this act that they were doing it from like a disease of the mind. Yeah. And they couldn't do that. So, I mean, well, it's pretty obvious. I mean, even looking at interviews, when he talks about his mom, which I think is very rare in a lot of like these cases, he actually like cries. Yeah. He gets like he, very emotional. He doesn't, yeah, he doesn't like, really show much emotion when he's talking about any of the other murders but he he like starts blubbering and he he just cries because he killed his mom and whenever he talks about it or thinks about it he just breaks down yeah and then what's funny is that um he kind of uh he kind of gives like two altering things here and i think this might have been a tactic from his counsel because uh he actually said during the testimony that uh he wanted to kill these victims for himself because they were his possessions. Yeah, he said he wanted them for himself, like possessions. And yeah. then, um, but in the exact same trial, he said uh, he actually tried to convince the jury that he wasn't sane by saying that uh, these acts could only have been committed by somebody with an aberrant mind. And he said that uh, two beings had inhabited his body, and that when the killer personality took over. It was kind of like he was blacking out. Ah, the Zapples, leading all the way back to yeah, the Zapples. So I think that was more of like, I don't think that was him. I think that was like a defense that they used to no, try and like I mean, limit his yeah. sentence. But that's not what happened, because uh, on November 8th of 1973, 
uh, the jury made up of six men and six women. They convened for only five hours, and uh, they declared him sane and guilty on all counts of murder. Yeah. And then um, he was sentenced from to uh, seven years to life for each uh, yeah, for, for each murder. Yeah. So for eight counts, he yeah forever. And uh, actually, what he did, uh, fucking insanity. He asked for the death penalty, requesting death by torture, which was something that I don't think many people have asked for. In no, lives. that's that's some like uh, that's some uh, twelve hundred ninety seven shit or something like that, yeah. like the year. You know, I mean that that is some that is some medieval and ass. And the reason shit. he got these sentences, the eight seven to life counts. He's he's currently serving seven life sentences. Yeah, the reason he got the, that uh, is because the death penalty was outlawed in California yeah. at this time. He's in the uh, California Medical Facility. Yeah, which is one of the nicer prisons. I mean, I actually, funny enough, I this was very not related to the episode. I spent about a good forty five minutes reading about um, prisons in California. Yeah, so some of the people that he was in the same cell block as when he first went to prison are insane, like Charles Manson. He was yeah. in for like briefly. He was in the same cell block as and who's the other guy? Uh, this oh, I love this story. Um, Dude, he uh, this is also a guy who was uh, at an active murder in Santa Cruz around the same time. Yeah, Herbert Mullen. Um, I'll tell you what. I'm gonna give you just a a, a blanket blanket overview of this guy. Yeah, we don't want to get too straight. I here, would but... I would very much like to cover this guy at one point. Uh, he's a serial killer. Uh, he killed 13 people in California in the early 70s. And um, the reason he uh, killed 13 people was that he claimed and believed that he was stopping a massive earthquake from happening in California. Yeah. So, okay. But, uh, we'll get into that maybe later on a different episode. But Something uh... that's funny is that uh, <laughs> Ed Kemper actually developed a relationship with Herbert Mullen. And, um, he didn't like him, though, did he? he? Well, they don't really specify, but what he does say... Which kind of adds to, I think, his overall just personality as an individual. Um, let me see if I can find the actual quote that he has, because it's fucking very good, and uh, he's talking about him. Let's see, give me one second. Here it is. Okay, so uh, this is a quote by uh, Ed Kemper. Herbert Mullen had a habit of singing... Son of a bitch, that's not what I wanted to say. God damn it, Jake. Dude, this Herbert Mullen quote is just... There's two Herbert Mullen quotes. Shit. I read the wrong one first. Right. I have it here. Here it is. There we go. Quote, I figured that if I killed him, Herbert Mullen, and then they sent me to the gas chamber, it would be a good solution to the problem. I'd know I'd never get a chance to, though, and I don't have any intention of killing him or anybody else. He was just a cold-blooded killer, running over a three-week period, killing everybody he saw for no good reason. Then uh, he actually... Ed Kemper takes a pause and laughs to himself very obnoxiously. Quote, I guess that's kind of hilarious. Me sitting here so self-righteously talking like that after what I've done. <laughs> oh, Edmund. Oh, so, yeah. oh Edmund. You're hilarious. Yeah, so Jesus, he, he man. Like and then actually what he did to him, this is another fun thing. Um, it's another quote by Ed Kemper of what I... Actually fucking started saying minutes ago. No, yeah. This, uh, one, this one's fun. Herbert Mullen had a habit of singing and bothering people when somebody tried to watch TV. So I threw water on him to shut him up. Then when he was a good boy, I'd give him peanuts. Herbie liked peanuts. That was effective, because pretty soon he asked, asked permission to sing. 
That's called behavior modification treatment. He trained him like a dog? Yeah. And it's pretty <laughs> obvious, I think. <laughs> it's pretty standard because, uh, we, like we've said a hundred times, Ed Kemper is six foot nine, and Herbert Mullen is only five foot seven. Really? So this dude's towering over this man and uh, you're not gonna you're in prison you're not gonna mess with see the back of this guy's head if he looked down yeah so there's there's nothing you're gonna do about this jesus christ yeah well all right so yeah he was in like the the maximum security and that's where he found like uh what was his first name something mullen herbert herbert mullen Mullen. he was in there with charles manson for a brief period but um He's currently uh, part of the general population uh, in uh, the California medical facility, and he's like a model prisoner, apparently. Yeah, this guy, nobody wants to fuck with yeah, him. Yeah, because he's fucking huge. He's enormous. And he's he's kind of bloated up since he's gotten into he prison. Has. He's, uh, the, the first picture that we posted on our Instagram, I think... Uh, yeah, the teaser for what it was going to be. Yeah. I specific, well, me and Jake <laughs> specifically chose that photo because we knew that even if somebody was familiar with the story, they probably would not recognize the photo of him in 2011. Yeah, yeah we were just like, oh, guess who this is. He looks like a bloated cat. He, uh, do you he, remember Viva La Bam? Yeah. He kind of looks like Bam Margera's dad. <laughs> So I'm going to go beat the shit out of my dad. He's just sleeping. Like now, (laughs) if you took some of the hair off of Bam Margera's dad, what was his name, Phil? Probably, yeah. Uh, If you took some of the hair off of him, he'd look just like Ed Kemper now. Yeah, yeah. But, you know. He's still rocking the stash. Yeah. But, uh, (laughs) so yeah, he's he's in the general population. He's a model prisoner. No one fucks with him. But he's actually, uh, he's, uh. He's done some like pretty cool things, I guess. In like in prison, he's recorded like five thousand hours of recorded books for like the blind. Yeah, books on tape. So I guess there's that. <laughs> like he's, I don't know, he's. Uh, that's cool, I guess. And the only reason he actually stopped doing that um, is because in 2015 he had a stroke, and uh, they like he didn't clear like the medical thing to like continue doing work for that yeah so and then another thing that i think is super interesting i mean we we went over how fucking insane this guy is right Mm. and uh the first violation of the rules report that this guy ever had in prison was in 2016 and that's because he failed to provide a urine sample when they asked him to. And, and that failed. was he f- because he had a fucking stroke yeah, and, and couldn't it deliver it. <laughs> he did turn it in, but he turned it in like... It, I it was read like three few, days or I two read days. a couple things. I heard one person say three days, and I heard one say like a week. But he did submit it, but it was late, so they had to write him up for that. So, that since 73, that was his first <laughs> thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, and like another strange that not strange, it's just kind of like interesting thing about this guy. Um, he on multiple, like multiple occasions. I have a long list of numbers to uh, to read you guys, but oh yeah, it's uh, fucking nonstop. So many times he could have gone to per- like on parole. Like he's denied parole hearings because he- yeah, when you're done, I actually have a quote from him that is a beautiful quote about yeah. parole. Yeah, so uh, he has denied his parole hearings. In all right, here we'll start in the year 1979, 80, 81, 82, 85, 88, 
Yeah, and then um, he's denied that many times of parole because he says he is happy in jail. He's like, yeah. this is where I belong. He's happy in prison. Uh, in 1988, when they denied him parole, uh, his quote was, uh, "Society is not ready for me in any shape or form. I can't fault them for that." True, <laughs> man. I mean, he's he's, like, he's so reasonable, but, then, but he's on such the a piece of side, shit. One of the guys that was uh, running the parole hearing. Uh, I don't know how you'd pronounce that. It's like Aradini Simmons. He was a prosecutor. Uh, he makes a very valid point. Uh, even if, if, if there's any part of you that feels like slightly upset that he's not getting parole, think of this because it sums it up. Uh, we don't care how much of a model prisoner he is because of the enormity of his crimes. And that that's a valid point. He's serving eight life sentences. Like I did say, <laughs> like, like I feel empathy for him to a degree. But when you look at yeah, what I he's mean, like, done, yeah, there, yeah, it makes sense why he doesn't get fucked. Yeah, parole. in the first part, we kind of went off on a little tan- not a tangent, but we we gave our thoughts on like why we give him like a lot of sympathy, or not sympathy, I guess, like sort of sympathy, empathy, that kind of thing. That was basically just from his like upbringing, like you know, yeah, it's like kids are like that, but you don't do bullshit. what his parents did. You send him to therapy, you get him help, you love your kids, you like whatever, you love your goddamn kids, but. What he did? No, he's a piece of shit now. Like well, I, yeah. I don't have sympathy for him now. I have sympathy for him when he was a child, unable to help himself. You yeah, know, he, but he's definitely um, run into a few problems. Well, he just won't a be few. Getting out of prison. A few, roughly ten exactly. That's how many victims, right? Yeah, ten. Uh, yeah, there well, you go. technically eight because the two previous he's already done his time for. But still, it, it's ten total. <laughs> Let's say that was a mulligan of a. That was, uh, yeah, that was a, that was a mulligan. <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah, we've been playing Magic the Gathering. I, I've used a mulligan a few times on that. Dude, Magic the time. Gathering is so sick. I'm so glad you like it. Like, we have to play that so much more. I would agree. Oh yeah, god. So, uh, don't worry. It, it's not like Garavito. Uh, if you listen to that, this Magic Kemper, the Gathering is nothing like no, Garavito. No, no, no. <laughs> Kemper is uh, Ed Kemper's not going to be getting out of prison. No, uh, no, he's not. And he doesn't want to. He's happy in there. He likes it. Uh, you know honestly, what? I'm happy that he's in there. You know. And what I find interesting, it's kind of like I've never watched these shows, but it's kind of like a fucking episode of TV. I mean, <laughs> it's this, like an episode of TV. This guy does so much fucking shit. Like, he's talking to people, and uh, a lot of the, the the reason behind a lot of his interviews are because uh, he wants people to better understand people like him. And he wants to, like, get behind the motives and, like, see what kind of goes on inside the minds of these people. And he wants to reach out, and honestly, he wants to help people that haven't acted on it but feel like they need to act on it. And he wants to help the police be able to catch people that have acted on it by being somebody that was in that situation previous. Yeah. Which, and like, yeah, I mean, like, it's he, weird. He it's tur- like, yeah, it is weird. He turned himself in, and like, he—I'm pretty sure it was within like, like the first month or so of uh, him like actually being held by the police that he did most of his interviews. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, he does some. Into like the some of the more, yeah, more widely the, known interviews are like from the late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, he he continues to do them, but he did a, like an astounding amount for someone who had just gotten taken into the police. Yeah, it's, you know what I mean. It's fucking ridiculous, man. It's kind of insane. Um, so I, I guess two things that I want to just bring up here, on a little bit of the lighter side. Um, 
Not the lighter well, side. I guess they're not really that lighter. Edmund Emil Kemper III. Funny enough, both of the things that I'm going to mention here tie back to Bigfoot Part 2, the truth <laughs> one. Okay. Um, Ed Kemper was actually a big uh, inspiration for Buffalo Bill in Thomas Harris's novel Silence of the Lambs. No shit. And, uh, that is awesome. Not the murder itself, but Buffalo Bill's uh, murdering career starts off the same in the book as Ed Kemper's, where he murders both of his grandparents when he's 15. Really? So, uh, yeah, so that was a big one. And then another one, same fucking episode, uh, mm. American Psycho, Patrick Bates. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, I I don't know why. I have, I'll, I'll explain my reason as to why I think they did this. Mm-hmm. There's a quote, um, actually, in a very good part of the movie, where they're all like sitting around this room and they're talking about chicks, and Patrick Bateman pretty much says, uh, this is a direct quote, you know what Ed Gein said about women? He said, when I see a pretty girl walking down the street, I think two things. One part of me wants to take her out and talk to her, be real nice and sweet and treat her right, and the other part of me wonders what her head would look like on a stick. And that is actually a misquote. That's not Ed Gein. Not said Ed that. Gein. Ed Gein. That was Ed Kemper. He, that yeah, said it that was quote. Ed Kemper. Ed Gein is a whole different uh, can of worms. We'll open some other time later on. Yeah, and but, I uh, think uh, I think the reason they did this, I don't think it was like a mistake. I really don't, because somebody would have caught that. I think. probably. I, mean, I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that Ed Kemper was alive and in prison and still like doing interviews and things like that. Where it was easier to use somebody that was dead, and just kind of like you'd have no backlash from any. Yeah, of like no one's the... gonna like go to the prison and ask him like, "Hey, can we use like a quote from you?" Yeah, in, like, like, how movie? do you even go about? that? I mean, like, I I feel like he would. He's the kind of guy who would be like, "Uh, yes, I would be honored to spread the word of what I've done." So maybe it can't happen again. But I don't think anyone wants to go yeah. talk to him and like get permission. So it's easier just to misquote it and then have it. Like, on the internet, like, oh, they did this, maybe this is why. And it's it's a direct quote from him, so people are going to put it together. Yeah, so I don't... I don't and really you're spending less a, money to make the movie. I don't have an exact reason as to why. That's my speculation, is that uh, they did use Ed Kemper's quote, and he was alive, so it's easier to kind of avoid that quote altogether, yeah, right? Yeah. But, um, I don't know. We'll, we'll get into that, I guess. Well, I guess we won't, because there's really nothing to get into. Yeah, that's that, um, That's really the story of uh, Ed Kemper. I do have two quotes, three quotes. Want to close it out with the three quotes? I have three prominent quotes that all speak back to what we were talking about today. Let's do it. Um, this is Ed Kemper talking about why he did the things he did to these women. Quote, If I killed them, you know, they couldn't reject me as a man. It was more or less making a doll out of a human being and carrying out my fantasies with a doll. A living human doll, end quote. Dude, if only someone had come up with the live doll, like, Yeah, like sooner. the sex doll, like the yeah. crazy expensive Yeah, the ones that you can, like, uh, you can download, like, things you want them to say and shit, and they'll, like, move around and stuff. Mm. No, what are they called? Real dolls? Something like that, The yeah. real dolls. Dude, if someone had just come up with the real doll. He'd be, he'd, well, he'd yeah, be who golden. Knows? Who knows? He'd be a weirdo, but he'd be golden. Um, this one... A little bit darker, if you will. But then the other one is, is nice. <laughs> As opposed to that lighter side of making people into dolls. Uh, yeah, okay, true. This is him talking about why he would decapitate the women. Uh, quote, I remember there was actually a sexual thrill. 
you hear that little pop and pull their heads off and hold their heads up by the hair, whipping their heads off, their bodies sitting there. That'd get me off. Is that the end of the quote? <laughs> God yep. damn it. Yep. And, um, that's terrible. Oh, that's, oh it's so vivid. One. I'm going to save my favorite quote for the end. I do have one more right, throw right. in here. This one, weird. I think it's funny. Second to last here. Uh, quote, you know the head's where everything is at. The brain, eyes, mouth. That's the person. I remember being told as a kid, you cut off the head and the body dies. The body is nothing after the head is cut off. Well, that's not quite true. With a girl, there's a lot left in that girl's body without a head. Quote. Jesus, man. And then... Oh, we're God. We're just jump right into one. Weirder, but way less dark. Oh. This one's actually kind of sweet, if you think about it in the right light. I doubt it. For um, just how you fucking... <laughs> I've been introducing these, and then you say them. Yeah. And they just end right before I think something might happen that's good. Yeah, okay, maybe it's not as good. Quote. Uh, okay, well, before I get into the quote, uh, this is him talking about the women. Uh, quote, they were like spirit wives. I still had their spirits. I still have them. Quote. Okay, that one's kind of nice. It's kind of sweet. It's kind of sweet. If you look at it in the right light, it's actually kind of sweet. If I you forget that everything he's ever done. It's like not the worst thing he's ever said. Am I right? I would definitely agree. <laughs> I but in yeah. the context of the co-ed killer, that's it's kind of beautiful. But yeah, so these are his spirit wives that he killed, uh, dismembered, uh, irrematioed. Uh, they're still a part of it. Yeah, the bodies all have not, most of them still haven't been found. Um, yeah, there's, I'll tell you what, If I guess if you're looking for some kind of happy ending here, uh, he's in jail. I'll tell you what, that's like he's it. not a good guy. That's all you're going to get is that he's in prison. But uh, past that, people in prison love him. I mean, he's, yeah. they they love like, him. Like we said, he was a model prisoner up until he had a stroke and was uh, uh, truant with his uh, piss test. Yeah, so... And that's pretty much it. That is the life, the story, the romantic relationships, if you will, of... So far. Edmund Emil Kemper. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. Was that it, a lot dude. to talk we've, about? <laughs> we've been, like... We've been up to our goddamn necks in this guy's story for, like, two weeks. Dude, I... I, I there's again I'm gonna, I say a lot of things on this show that if they're taken out of context they sound awful. Oh yeah, that's but, why you can't don't isolate anything. Yeah, don't isolate what I'm going to say, but the past 14 Wait, what you're days, about to say? <laughs> the past 14 days of my life literally have just been thoughts of just horrible mutilation and head fucking and just things that are just awful. And Man, you keep saying head fucking. At the beginning of the episode, we put irumatio into everyone's heads, so yeah, we can just say that. Somehow, irumatio makes me feel more uncomfortable. It's because that. It's like a fancy word. word you know, it's like, like, has just, like, like, visually, that word has been just, uh, like, tattooed backwards across my forehead in every mirror I've looked at. It's like, you know how, like, okay, so, like, fellatio sounds, like, nicer than, like, a blowjob. I guess technically, if it you sounds get scientific, real. and it makes me feel strange about it. Irumatio is just like, oh, see the God, scientific aspect good. of that 
makes me feel, I guess, better about talking about it in the sense that he's like a fucking murderer. <laughs> At the very least, let me tell you guys. And this. we're talking about like crime, like a, a, an in-depth like crime. If you guys, walkthrough. if you guys didn't enjoy this, take solace in the fact that you learned a new word today. Irimatio. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's Jesus Murphy. It also takes solace in the fact that we're we're gonna be off true crime for at least a couple weeks. Uh, we're gonna have uh, we're gonna do some fun stuff. All right. Yeah, we actually we're gonna do some fun, interesting little spooky things. If all uh, uh, in, the, if all in plans the coming work, weeks, which I'm I'm almost a million percent sure that they will work. Million. We're gonna actually have something real nice for you guys. We're gonna bring in somebody new. Somebody new, good friend of mine. Yeah, we're gonna bring in a, a new, uh, new mouth for you to listen to, Mister Philosophy. That actually has some uh, hands-on experience with the topic that we will be diving into. So he's a good man. He's tall as Ed Kemper was when he was fourteen. He is he's a big guy. Big he guy. Is a lot six skinnier, foot four. Very, a lot very skinnier. Skinny he's man. a good man. He's handsome. Has the deepest blue eyes you'll ever see. We love him. I love him to death. He's a good man. But um, yeah. So we'll have a new guest coming on and uh we'll have a new uh spooky topic for you to dive into uh let's just i won't give anything away far less real and uh disgusting than if you liked our two other uh spookier topics uh ghosts and black-eyed kids you're definitely going to enjoy this one too i think yeah i'm almost certainly but uh yeah so we got that coming for you guys in the same vein but uh uh, we hope you actually tried to enjoy uh, Ed Kemper. Very least, learn something. Maybe grinned at one of our uh, strangely placed laugh, uh, laughing fits. All you got to realize you know. is that uh, if you're going to take away one lesson from anything, any horror movie you've ever seen in your entire life is based on something that happened in real life. And Ed Kemper is one of those guys that uh, he's not in, like the the big names, you know, of serial killers. But if you go back to a lot of like horror movies and like really disturbing imagery that's been in movies, you could trace a lot of that back to him because he's yeah. one of the more depraved names out there that has had some notoriety. Yeah, before we... Um, because I'd heard Ed Kemper and I'd heard, like, the co-ed killer. Mm. But I'd, I've, I've, like, heard the co-ed killer, like, that name for so much longer than I've heard Ed Kemper. And when I actually found out that it was going to be him that we were going to be talking about, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Holy shit. It's one of those topics, uh, I don't know, I find it very interesting. I hope you guys found it interesting. There's a oh, lot yeah. to it. It's, uh, yeah, it's disturbing, but, you know, such is fucking life. Everything's disturbing. Now you know. You didn't know before, maybe. Who knows? Maybe uh, you did, and you just like hearing about it. Yeah, what are you, you know, you going to do? You know, just try, just live your life as if you're not Ed Kemper. That's my advice. Yeah, there you go. But at the same time, if you have any be crazy, as jolly as him without the murders. Yeah. If you have any crazy thoughts about things like this, just go to a therapist, tell somebody, tell somebody, and then... Uh, tell me. Yeah. If you see your kids exhibiting some of these things, uh, send them to therapy, get them help, uh, put them on some drugs. I don't know. Yeah, I don't uh, know Try to prevent do. it. Honestly, I'd I'm not say a probably try to prevent it. Don't talk to me. Call I don't know anything. Call a fucking priest or something, man. I don't know what you do in that Do situation. something that isn't locking them in a cellar, you know? Yeah, so that was Big Ed. So that was Big Ed, yeah. Big so, Ed Kemper. Uh, if you guys made it through this whole thing, kudos. Kudos man. to you guys. That was we awesome. appreciate it. Um, that was a big episode. I enjoyed talking about it. I yeah. really did. No, I very much did. So yeah, um, thanks for tuning in. Yeah, uh, follow us on all the shit. Yeah, Instagram. Uh, we're on Instagram is popping. <laughs> I had to burp. All right, um, Instagram. 
is we are starting a cult and then uh twitter is start a cult underscore pod our email is um we are starting a cult at nope, nope. no no you're right it's not it's start a cult at gmail.com yep and i actually do know our exact website this time because i've been looking at it every goddamn day it is uh we are starting a cult dot libsyn dot com libsyn is l-i-b-y-s-y-n L-I-B-S-Y-N. I keep thinking there's like a backslash in there, but there's not. It's wearestartingacult.libson.com. Yeah, that is, so that is, yeah. Follow us. Uh, leave us some feedback on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, email, uh, whatever you want. I don't care. Whatever you want. Technically, you can leave direct comments on our website, too, so do that, too. Uh, and if you do go on the Instagram, you'll see that Grant's head is now completely shaven at my hand. It's and, true. Uh, the hair... That we've been offering of his uh, is in my hand. Yeah, it's in our hands. We've been playing with it really this whole time. Um, you want a sack of it? Email us. All right, email us. I just wash we'll pay it postage. Too. Yeah, I wash it within like an hour and a half of me cutting it too, so it's it's clean. Don't yeah, worry. We threw it in the in the laundry machine. A lot well, of I, it got caught in the lint trap. I didn't do that. That let me tell you this: it was a lot more hair than I thought it was going to be. It was a it was a lot of hair. It was a, it was a process. But yeah, um, righteous. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. All yeah. Right? Toodaloo, guys. We are starting cult. We love you very much. Goodbye. The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the most anticipated Roland Garros in years. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled tournament access as the world's top players in tennis face off against each other. Will the veteran champions continue their dominance or will a fresh face emerge to challenge their legacy on the clay courts? Daily live coverage of this epic showdown begins Monday, May 20th. Don't miss a matchup. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.